Sandra and I have been catching up a little bit. <laughs> I was about to talk about my story a little, so I was like, it probably would make sense to just talk about this when it's recorded. Probably. Um, so, welcome back to another episode of Oi with the Terror Already. I'm one of your hosts, Danielle. And I'm your other host, Sandra. Um. So, yes, the... I wasn't sure how much information I'd find on my topic. It was one I knew about before, also from American Horror Story. Yeah, I had a guess when you texted me the photo, and then I was like, nope, that's not it. That's probably going to be a different topic, so. Mm. Do you want me to tell you my guess? Yeah, sure. (laughs) For some reason, I thought Jack the Ripper, and then I was like, don't think so no because i don't think he used like an axe i think he just used like a knife no although i do mention jack the ripper at one point (laughs) in this so it's kind of funny that you said that that's weird (laughs) okay but this one kind of had more layers involved than i thought initially Mm -hmm. like i thought it was kind of just a straightforward like it's one of those where the description is of the story is like the actual crime and everything so you kind of know what you're getting yeah but there was apparently there was a lot of like other political and racial stuff that related to this which i didn't know so it's it takes place in new orleans okay but not what you would think based on how i just described it okay Interesting. Um, yeah. So, also I have wine. Nice. I have vitamin water. (laughs) Oh, you'll be so hydrated. Okay, so this topic has been mentioned, like, I'm pretty sure there was a reference to it in American Horror Story, but now I'm thinking about it, there might be two different things. There's a... My topic is the Axeman of New Orleans. But I think there's also another story that's related to, like, a killer jazz musician guy who, like, plays the saxophone in New Orleans. But it's not the same person. Yeah, so... I I feel like the American Horror Story reference it, he this they were showing this guy who was like a serial killer and from New Orleans but I think he they p- talked a lot about how he was a musician and stuff so maybe he is a different person who also happens to kill people in New Orleans because when I was doing my research I saw nothing about a saxophone so <laughs> I could probably ask one of my old co-workers from previous job i'm sure they'd know i'm sure he would know about it the axe man of new orleans yeah i feel like he would also because he plays the saxophone and he's like keeps up to date with famous people that play the saxophone both like the good guys and the not good guys so <laughs> i mean maybe like the axe is a term for saxophones in the music biz. Maybe. That, yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> you would know. think. Yeah, no, that actually does sound familiar. So, also, I got this mixed up um, a few episodes back, or actually a while ago, whenever early episodes, I 
talked about um, sleepwalking killers. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, I thought there was a famous New Orleans sleepwalker killer person. But now I'm thinking I also maybe mix that up with the Axeman <laughs> for some nice. reason. I don't know. I thought there was a New Orleans one, but when I was doing research for the sleepwalking episode, I saw nothing about New Orleans, except for one guy who was running away to New Orleans. Um, also, I like New Orleans as a city, and I was there once, and it's really cool, and, like, there's something about, like, the mystique of it or whatever, like, there's so much history, and I obviously did a type of ghost tour when I was there, and just, like, walking around there at night, like... I don't know. It's just, it's so easy to be able to come up with stories. And we learned about like different serial killers and stuff like that. And I don't know. It was like, just like actually being there in that environment was pretty cool. I definitely want to go back maybe next year. I'll go. I've never been. Yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I also went in August, so I would not do that again. (laughs) Oh, don't. I think... The spring is supposed to be the best time, I think I heard. I feel like spring or fall, best times. Mm. Yeah, maybe next year that would be fun. Girl strip. (laughs) (laughs) Although I told Dave I would take him. Hashtag Dave the intern. (laughs) Well, we could go multiple times. Yeah, or you guys go down and I'll meet you guys like a few days later. Oh yeah, that's true. So you guys can have your couple time and then I can be the third wheel. Yay. I mean, I was thinking about, I feel like it would be fun to have more people down there. So that could be a thing, like Mm -hmm. a group of us. Yeah, I'd be down for it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the Axeman of New Orleans had a proclivity towards targeting Italian immigrants during a time and place where there was much xenophobia Phobia and racism. By August of 1918, New Orleans was in a state of fear. The Axeman broke into various Italian grocery stores, attacking the store owners and their families. He did not kill everyone, and some were left wounded. Four people were killed. The Axeman was known for his brutality. Joseph Maggio had his skull fractured with his own axe and his throat was cut with a razor. His wife, Catherine, also had her throat cut. She asphyxiated on her own blood while she bled out. At the same time, other deadly attacks that did not target Italians were thought to be the work of the Axeman, but this later was proved to be false. The Italian immigrant community in New Orleans was terrified. Men stayed up all night because they thought that they had to in order to protect their families. New Orleans Superintendent of Police Frank Mooney thought the murderer was a degenerate who gets a thrill over blood. The Axeman reign of terror struck New Orleans from 1917 to March 1919. The killer then moved across the Mississippi River to the town of Gretna. On March 9th, he attacked Charlie Cortemiglia, injuring his wife Rosie and killing their two-year-old daughter. Mooney considered the killer to be a degenerate. The authorities from Gretna Police, Chief Peter Lesson and Sheriff Louise Merrow, 
thought that the Cortemiglia's next door neighbor, Irolando Giordano, and his 17-year-old son were the culprits. They were all grocers and could be considered business competitors and recently took each other to court over a business dispute. So this would give them a reason for wanting to commit a crime. Uh, But there was no evidence to implicate the Giordano's. Officials decided to question the injured Cordomigilias while they were recovering in Charity Hospital. According to her doctor, Rosie said she didn't know who had attacked her. When she was released, Rosie was immediately arrested as a marital witness? Marshal? Oh, material. Oh, my God. (laughs) As a material witness and incarcerated in the Gretnik jail, she was later released after she signed an affidavit implicating her neighbors. Orlando and Frank went on trial for their lives. The only evidence used against them was Rosie's identification. Her own physician even thought that her identification was unreliable. And after less than a week into the trial, they were both convicted of murder. 69-year-old Irolando was sentenced to life imprisonment, and Frank was to hang. Nine months later, Rosie walked into the newspaper office of the Times-Picayune to retract her testimony. She said that St. Joseph had come to her in a dream and told her she had to tell the truth. Rosie signed another affidavit declaring that she hadn't seen her attackers and had been pressured into identifying the Giordanos. Despite her retraction, the prosecution did not give up right away. Rosie was even threatened with perjury charges if she didn't stick to her original story. In December of 1920, Irolando and Frank went free. So it's considered suspicious that the Gretna authorities were so quick to assume the neighbors must have been the killers. They actually didn't listen to advice from the New Orleans police chief about a crazy person who was on the loose and targeting Italian grocers. So here's some more background information on how the Italian community established their roots in New Orleans. So the Crescent City, which I guess is another name to describe New Orleans, always had Italian residents since its early days. An Italian business community established itself in the city even before the Civil War. Early arrivals were mainly from northern Italy, but a need for cheap labor in the late 19th century led to a great influx of Sicilians. Um, to the state, and men such as Orlando Giordano, who journeyed from Sicily to Louisiana. Sicilian laborers made a positive impression on the sugar planters of post-emancipation Louisiana. By the 1880s and 1890s, the Sicilian population exploded in, into New Orleans and dominated Italian immigration in, into Louisiana. Over 80% of the Italian immigrants in New Orleans were Sicilian. By 1900, the city housed the largest Italian community in the South. 20,000 people lived in New Orleans. Most of them left the city to work on sugarcane and cotton plantations. 
Um, it was a difficult way of life, but one that provided workers with a chance to save money. An immigrant who carefully saved his wages could go on his way within a few years. The main annoyance felt by planners was the inability to keep Italian workers in the field because after a few years, they would open up a fruit shop or grocery store. By 1900, small Italian-owned businesses sprung up all over the state. But Sicilian immigrants were not immune to the racial prejudices of the American South. Italians did not replace black labor in Louisiana, but they worked alongside African Americans in the field. Sicilians with darker skin tones were actually not considered to be white at all. Um, most of the immigrants were unaware of the racial hierarchies of the South. People from the New Orleans area actually found it shameful that the Italians were felt fine working alongside black people. So in 1929, a New Orleans judge vocally expressed his view and one shared by the greater public by declaring Sicilians as thoroughly undesirable characters and being composed of the most vicious, ignorant, degraded, and filthy paupers. The French Quarter, a well-known area of New Orleans in the oldest part of the city, was filled with decrepit Creole townhouses. This became known as the Italian neighborhood. By the early 20th century, there were so many Sicilians that the area actually became known as Little Palermo. So this is how Italian immigrants largely went from plantation workers to grocers. By 1929, they operated half of the grocery stores in all of the city. A famous example of their success was one resident, Giuseppe Udo, who started his career hawking olive oil and cheese from a horse-drawn cart before founding Progresso Food Products. A fear of immigrant crime culminated in 1890 to 1891 with the murder of police chief David Hennessy. On the night of October 15, 1890, he arrived home and was met with a volley of shotgun fire. As he lay dying... The police insisted that this was due to the Sicilians. The police proceeded to arrest Sicilians to be tried for this crime. It was easy for New Orleanians to, to believe that Hennessy's murder was a result of organized Italian criminal gangs, also known as the Mafia. After the initial set of acquittals, an enraged mob stormed the, stormed the jailed murdering 11 of the accused. Others who were acquitted were lynched along with those who were yet to be tried. So I've actually been binging The Sopranos, so I found it pretty <laughs> funny that I had no idea that this is where the story was going when I looked at the Axeman. <laughs> so it's like basically I'm like now dreaming about Italian mobs and stuff anyway. So the main, this is the main reason why New Orleanians thought the Axeman may have been an Italian immigrant with a vendetta against other Italians. But New Orleans detective John D'Antonio, an expert on mafia, was quick to reject the idea. He thinks that there wouldn't have been any survivors left if this was orchestrated by the mafia. There was a general agreement that the attacks were the work of a fiend, likely with a Jekyll and Hyde personality, similar to Jack the Ripper. Frank Mooney, the 
New Orleans police superintendent thought that the killer's personality was one where he'd be filled with a sudden impulse to kill. Someone who would in present day be categorized as a serial killer. So the Axeman vanished from New Orleans after the attack on the court Miglias. It sounds like he struck somewhere else in Louisiana, killing Joseph Sparrow and his daughter in Alexandria in December 1920, Giovanni Orlando in DeRitter in January 1921, and Frank Scalzi in Lake Charles in April 1921. The killer's modus operandus was the same, breaking into an Italian grocery in the middle of the night and attacking the grocer and his family with their own axe. The axe man then disappeared from history, but the Italians of New Orleans did not. They continued to prosper. Although, as a result of the growth of supermarkets, the corner groceries eventually disappeared, they, like so many immigrants before them, joined mainstream American society while continuing to maintain their own ethnic identity. So that's the end. Wow. Yeah, so I had no idea there would be that much of <laughs> a backstory. So frustrating, though, that that person, whoever it was, didn't get caught. I know. I didn't realize so many people had axes. Yeah. I also didn't realize there was such a large population of, like, Italian immigrants in Louisiana, especially New Orleans I know. for some reason. It makes sense, but I haven't ever put, like, two and two together. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't even realize also that, like, because I feel like New Orleans always had so much of their own stuff going on that there was also, like, mafia activity there, apparently, yeah. so that was interesting. Well, I mean, I, it's stereotypical, but I feel like linking Italians to mafia is, like, for some reason easier. I know. Apparently, then, especially if it's uh, Sicilians, yeah. I learned that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that somewhere, too. So, like, that part didn't really surprise me, where I was yeah. like, yeah, that makes sense. But also just, like, I'm just, like, I love when you do story. I don't know, for some reason I love when you do stories when, like, the person's caught or there's a trial or whatever, but when it's, like, these open-ended ones where I'm like, I, know. I just want to know who did it. And why? Well, obviously they had a, a they had like a hatred for Italians, but like right. And the fact that the police just tried blaming it on the other Italians too, mm-hmm. without knowing for sure, and then they were lynching them and stuff. Like I would, I did not see that coming. It's like not acceptable. Like if that, well, I don't know. Like if that happened today, there, I'd hope there'd be like outrage. Mm. I feel like there would be actually. Take yeah, it I back, feel like there that would be. Wouldn't happen in New Orleans. No, not no. today. But it also just shows, like maybe the police were like had like other, or they thought they had like other things on their minds or like bigger crimes. So there's always a group mentality. Mm-hmm. Well, there's always a scapegoat. It seems right. So. No, interesting. Definitely, definitely was not what I was expecting <laughs> or guessed. 
Maybe later I'll find the other one I'm thinking of from New Orleans. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, just do that one if you ever if you ever find it. <laughs> of your hint it looked like a charming village yeah well if i texted you like what they actually looked like you would have been like what the hell sandra what is this (laughs) so instead of texting you like the folklore creature i just texted you where they are supposedly from this week i picked the hildefork which are hidden people that live in Iceland. So the place that I texted, the picture that I texted you was of Iceland. Okay. Which is really pretty. My dad and stepmom have been, and like I've had friends that have gone, and now I'm like, now I really want to go. So, yeah. So basically the Hildefork, or the hidden people are essentially elves. They're essentially Icelandic elves. They are supernatural beings that live in nature and they supposedly look and behave, supposedly they behave kind of the same way that like humans do, but they apparently live in parallel woods. Um, they can also make themselves invisible at will. So in, and excuse my pronunciation, the Pharaoh-esque folktales. These hidden people are said to be large in build, their clothes are all gray, and their hair is black. Their dwellings are in mounds, and they are also called elves. Some Icelandic folktales have caution against throwing stones, as it may accidentally hit the hidden people. And the term, Hildefork, was actually taken as a synonym of elves or elfar in the 19th century Icelandic folklore. There is a professor uh, who is currently, I believe he's currently teaching at the University of Iceland by the name of Terry Gunnell. He is actually an, an expert in Icelandic and Nordic folk traditions. He actually wrote, and I quote, different beliefs could have lived side by side in multicultural settlement, settle, I cannot speak tonight, Settlement Iceland before they gradually blended into the latter day Icelandic Elfair or Hildefork. Um, he also wrote that the Hildefork and Elfair are un- undoubtedly arose from the same need that the Norse settlers had the Elfair and the Irish settlers or the Irish slaves had the hill fairies or the good people. And over time, they became two different beings, but really they are two different sets of folklore that mean the same thing, which is interesting because the more I looked into the uh, Hildefork, the more they did remind me of fairies and elves and kind of like what maybe like our ancestors would have thought of as folklore because they are very similar. 
The Christianized of Iceland in the 11th century brought with the new religious concepts, and according to one Christian folktale, the origins of the hidden people can actually be traced to Adam and Eve. Eve hid her dirty, unwashed children from God and lied about their existence. God then declared what man hides from God, God will hide from man. Other Christian folktales claim that hidden people are actually originate from Lilith, or are fallen angels condemned to live between heaven and hell, hence like the parallel, supposedly, universe that they live in. Um, in succession of Christianization, official opposition to dance to, um, it may have begun in Iceland as early as the 12th century. And the, so, uh, then in the 13th and 14th centuries, books from mainland Europe reached Iceland and they may have influenced folktales about elves. Another writer by the name of Einar Olafur Svensson wrote that round about 1,600 uh, sources for hidden folk became so voluminous that we can readily define the beliefs and legends about them. And after that, there is one source after another about them right down into the 12th century. And then according to, I guess, another writer by the name of Amy Biomason believed that in believed in hidden people that the hidden people grew during the 17th and 18th century when Iceland was facing tough times. Uh, so these Hilda forks are also featured in holidays, I guess. Um, I guess there are four Icelandic holidays that are considered to have a special connection with the hidden people. The first one is New Year's Eve. The next one is 13th night, which is January 6th. There's also Midsummer Night and Christian Night. And I guess like elf bonfires are a common part of the holiday festivities on the 12th night, which is January 6th. There are many Icelandic folktales about elves and hidden people invading um, Icelandic farmhouses during Christmas and holding wild parties. And it is actually customary in Iceland to clean the house before Christmas and to leave food for the Hildefork on Christmas. Then on New Year's Eve, it is believed that the elves move to the new locations and Icelanders leave candles to help them find their way. Then on mis Midsummer Night, uh, the folklore actually states that if you sit at a crossroads, the elves will actually attempt to seduce you with food and gifts and that there are grave consequences to being seduced by their offers, but there are great rewards in resisting, which I found kind of interesting. The, I guess as far as history, um, hidden people often appear in the dreams of the Icelanders, and they are usually described as wearing 19th century Icelandic clothing and are often described as wearing green. So again, it kind of reminds me of like the leprechauns maybe from like Ireland. For some reason, I always imagine leprechauns to be green or to be wearing green. Um, don't know if that's true or not, but that's kind of what I grew up with thinking. And then in one version of a modern fairness folklore, the hidden people vanished in the 1950s when electricity was brought to the island. I also found that interesting and yet kind of a little weird, the fact that people kind of believed in them and then they just kind of disappeared. In today's Iceland, so they actually did a survey of Icelanders that were born between 1870 and 1920. 
And that found that people didn't actually generally believe in the hidden people and that when they had learned about the supernatural beings when they were younger, those lessons had mostly been made for amusement. About 10% seemed to actually believe in the hidden people, and a sur- another survey from 1974 showed that among those born between 1904 and 1944, 7% were certain of the existence of the hidden people. And then there have also been several modern surveys that have been made showing that a surprising number of believers, around 7 to 8%, claim to be certain that elves exist, and around 45% claim that it is likely or possible. So that's also kind of interesting to figure out like which cent- or which generation you're born in, what do you actually believe? Some people think that the beliefs are simplified and exaggerated for the entertainment of children and tourists, and that is somewhat misrepresentative, like that is a somewhat misrepresentative yet harmless trick used kind of for the tourist industry to like make sure that people come visit because a lot of people, when they hear about these, that's another reason for them to want to visit. And then regarding tourism, the Icelandic Elf School in Reykjavik organizes a five-hour-long educational excursion for visitors. There is a Hidden Worlds tour, or a guided walk of about 90 minutes, through Helsegardi Park, where the paths wind through the lava field planted with tall trees and potted bonsai trees in the summer. And that is said to be um, peopled with the town's largest elf colony. There's an Icelandic wonders museum called Stokserviri, where, and I quote, museum guests will walk into a world of Icelandic elves and hidden people and get a glimpse of their life. There was a few recent incidents, and by recent I mean like back in the 70s and 80s, um, of possible issues or blame to be put on elves. One of them was during a road construction in Cope of Vagor in 1971, where a bulldozer actually broke down and the driver blamed the elves living in the large rock, despite locals not having been aware of any elves living in that area or that rock. The newspapers ran with the story and thus that was starting or that started a myth that Icelandic road construction was often impeded by elves. Then in 1982, 150 Icelanders went to the uh, to the NATO base in Kalfafik to look for elves who might be endangered by American phantom jets and AWOCs. I cannot say this word. Some, some AWOC's planes, I guess. And then in 2004, Alcoa had to have a government expert certify that their chosen building site was free of archaeological sites, including ones related to the Hildefork folklore, before they could actually build an aluminum smelter in Iceland. Uh, last, uh, then in 2011, it was believed that Hilda Fork by some to be responsible for an incident in Bulgaric where rocks rain down on residential streets. Lastly, in 2013, a proposal for a road construction from the Alfanes Peninsula to Reykjavik suburb of Gardnopir was actually stopped because elf supporters and environmental groups protested 
They were stating that the road would destroy the habit of elves and local cultural beliefs. So, so many big words. <laughs> just so many towns. And excuse my pronunciation. I thought I looked up how to pronounce everything, and apparently I did not. So I mean, each word, I think, has about 10 syllables. So it's a lot. So, yeah, that's a fun note to also kind of end on, to be like, oh, there are, like, elf activists that believe that it'll ruin the culture. So I just thought all of that was really interesting, because once again, it's like, okay, I can see how this relates to, like, the Irish. I can see how it maybe relate to, like, the Nordic. Like, okay, I understand. But it's also, like, do you believe? Like, is there... Are there, you know, elves or leprechauns or hidden people? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. how is it? It's, um, yep. it also reminds me of, like, Frozen because that's, uh, that's Scandinavia, I think. And they had, yeah, they had, like, a whole, like, With the trolls fairy like storyline. So it's just on. one of those things where I'm, like, you kind of, you read about it and you do kind of laugh at it because you're, like, this this sounds ridiculous. And then you're, like, wait a minute. This sounds like this and this sounds like that. So it's interesting how it's kind of, like, very similar. Yeah, and also, yeah. I guess, I don't know. And from what I could find, I didn't really find if they were good or bad. I think it just kind of depends on the situation and supposedly like what they're doing. But um, nowhere could I really mm-hmm. find where people were like, oh, they're evil or like, oh, they're good. It just seems to be like they're kind of like how people are. Like some may not be good and some are good, which is kind of interesting too. Because like I know like in Ireland, like especially like leprechauns, like we view them as fine, but they're like, no, they're mm-hmm. not. So it's just kind of like weird how for this one, at least like there is no like, argument on good or bad it was just like yeah they're they're doing their thing yeah 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 we learned that when i studied in dublin for three months and we literally went to like the leprechaun museum in dublin there's a leprechaun museum in dublin (laughs) and just like yes Oh, I can it's all. Oh, I can see all kids, of you. But my friends and I went going <laughs> to that. So yeah, you get to try on like a red wig and hat at one point, and you sit in a giant wow. wooden chair and go through a giant tunnel. Um, but yeah, I remember learning from there that like it seemed like leprechauns. Like they had a reputation for kind of being tricksters, but definitely lean more towards like bad, creepy almost (laughs) more than what you kind of learn growing up in America. I feel like, like it's just like the funny, like cereal or whatever, Mm -hmm. just like they're happy. It seems like that sounds, yeah. In Ireland, I learned that they're sort of more leprechaun, yeah, yeah. And it's also funny too how, like, over here, it's like, oh, is aren't they like like fine and it's like no it's not like yeah. lucky charms guys like they're not they're not like lucky or whatever the leprechaun on lucky charms they're a little bit worse than that so right. i just found it i don't know it's just one of those other things where i was like this is kind of cool yeah because for so i'm trying i'm trying to keep it like not themed but kind of themed like i almost texted you to be like so are there any like scary like I don't know, Hanukkah mm-hmm. stories. And then I was like, I feel like that's a no. <laughs> Dave had a, there actually is one, oh, I was going to text you about it. 
It's more your wheelhouse. Okay. But um, there is a, it's, oh my God, I forget the name of it. It's basically a well-known Jewish demon trapped in a chest. Okay. And yeah, so it's like basically, I feel like maybe mm. the Warrens played with it at one point or something, but it's like a well-known like creepy artifact that goes on eBay every so often or something. It's not a Dybbuk box, is it? I think that is it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've looked into That's what, like, those. Dave was like, oh, you should do that. And I said that's definitely more of a folklore <laughs> legend. Yeah, thing. that's more but, my area. But yeah, yeah, that is a Hanukkah one. So. Okay, I'll have to, well, damn, I should have asked you. And <laughs> I, then I was like, she's going to laugh at me. Yeah, Dave I'm like, mentioned I don't that a think... few days ago, and I totally forgot to say that. It's all right, maybe next week. <laughs> keeping the holiday holiday spirit everybody but yeah because i didn't want you to be like sandra because i looked too i actually went online really? and i was like scary jewish ghost stories and i was like i'm just getting like bible stuff here so like well i forgot no. to look up like famous murders <laughs> that took place on hanukkah so that i didn't even think about that actually but next year. yeah we should do like yeah that's a good idea we should do like holiday themed episodes now yeah I'm trying. I'm trying, guys. I'm trying yeah, to keep it, I, I keep it fun. Didn't think about. It. <laughs> I was like, I remembered about Halloween, but like, didn't think anything about holiday. Yeah, murders. I'm sure. I'm sure you could find some fascinating. Oh one. yeah. And they'll all go back yeah. to American Horror Story. Yeah. <laughs> for you, for you, it's American Horror Story. For me, it's like Ghost Hunters or yeah, something. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Or Travel Channel. Yeah. I haven't. I actually haven't like quoted Travel Channel in a while. So, I know. yay! Watch me quote it next week. <laughs> but yeah, all right. I guess good. we can do Boy of the Week quickly. Sure. I still didn't think of one. Like, do you want me to go first while you think good. of one? Yeah. All right. So my Boy of the Week. Well, it's it's part good. No, I don't know. I have. I guess I have two. I'll have. I'll do two. That'll give you. They're both short. That'll give you a little bit of time to think of one. So the first one is my mom ordered shoes for me for Christmas because that's what I asked for this year. And she's like, "I'll just send them to you, so then you don't have to worry about like going to Seattle and packing them there and then like bringing them back." She's like, "I'll just send them to you. It's fine." I was like, "Okay, cool." So I get the notification that they've been delivered on Saturday, and I was home late so I checked and I was texted her and I was like I think my shoes are stolen because I don't I don't Mm. see them and they said they're delivered and she's like that's weird so she gets in contact with Macy's and I get an email on Sunday after I get home from doing whatever I was doing and I look at the email and she sent them to the wrong address oh no she sent them to somewhere down the street so I was like okay I think the same company owns that apartment building that it was sent to. My company hmm. does. And I was like, maybe I could just go and just, like, see if they're still there. Right. And then I was like, wait a minute. Somebody's going to think I'm, like, stealing somebody else's stuff. So I I have my keys and I have, like, a yeah. Rare Bradley key yeah, yeah. thing. So I was like, okay, I have my license, which has my current address. So if anybody is accusing me of stealing anything, I can at least be like, here's my address. This is mine. And your name should be on the box. Exactly. So So I was like, 
Yeah. It's my name. Mm-hmm. So I text my mom. I was like, okay, I'll walk down and I'll see if they're there. And I walk down and it's not owned by the same company. I can already tell. Mm-hmm. And I look through and I'm like, I don't see them. And even if I did, I'm like, I can't, couldn't get to them anyway because I can mm-hmm. only go through the first store and the buzzers there are different than the ones that I'm used to. So I can't even pull the whole, like, I have a pizza, right, like, right. let me in thing. So I just texted my mom and I was like, I didn't see them. She's like, okay, we'll just have them re-delivered to the right address. And I was like, okay, cool. So that was my first OI of the week. Hmm, I wonder who's going to get those other shoes. Good luck to whoever does, because I'm a size 5. Yeah, so... that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even, like, a normal average size. I'm one Someone's below that. Children. Basically. Someone's children. Or That's what I thought, too, when I thought they were stolen. I was like, Good luck to whoever can fit into a size five because there aren't many of us. At least I don't think there are. So that's my first OI. And then quickly, my second OI is I got my booster. Yay. But I also got really, really sick yesterday. So that Mm -hmm. wasn't fun. So, yeah. But now you're better. Now I'm better. And I'm extra protected, which is good. Yeah. So it was worth it. But it was just like... Did not want to start off my yeah. week with being sick or being like having the side effects from the vaccine. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't fun. So, yeah, um, those are my oys of the week. Um. Okay, so I guess I thought of one. Um. So we had a kind of Hanukkah gathering on Saturday, but it was just uh, my parents and Dave's parents. That was it. Mm-hmm. So nice. it was actually the first official time we used our dining room. <laughs> yeah, because we moved here almost two years ago or something, and yeah. like so, like basically the dining room was never fully nice enough for us to sit in yet because we just had random like cardboard and crap. So I was, like, getting all, like, worried, even though it was just our parents. I was like, oh, no, like, it doesn't look clean enough. It's messy, blah, blah, blah. Also, the dining room is, like, the room where on the ceiling there's slight water damage. Mm -hmm. We actually have that scheduled now, at least. So that's supposed to happen in a few weeks. But, yeah. So I don't know. All this. So I was, like, getting, like, stressed and worried. Like, oh, no, the house isn't done. And then Dave and my dad basically went on, like, a cleaning rampage on Saturday. Like, my mom and I were cooking, and they were, like, cleaning out the room and everything. And, like, now the house looks, like, better than it did before we had. (laughs) We get together, like, the dining room's all cleared out. Like, this other room on the side of the kitchen where, like, we never knew what to do with it. I call it, like, the wood room because it's basically all wood paneling. And it, like, it basically, it's almost like a foyer or something because Mm -hmm. it, like, is off the side door where you could come in, like, the side entrance. Yeah, I think I remember it. You go through there and that leads to the kitchen, but, like, I have no idea what to do with it, so we just have, like, our old futon in it for now. But that was always full of boxes, and now that's, like, all cleared out, too. Yay! So that's, like... Now I'm very happy that all that's done because that's just like every time you walk around and you see all this clutter and stuff, it's just like it's stressful. So that's nice now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask how you're – because I know you were like a little concerned of where everybody was going to sit. Right. 
Yeah, the dining room was fine, and we also weren't there until it was dark anyway, so we had, like, romantic lighting going on from the one standing lamp, so I think that made it less noticeable for the ceiling stuff. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad it worked out, and you feel like your house is clean, and... Mm -hmm. I think it's mainly because I'm working from home three days a week that I'm just, like, always seeing it the dirtiness or clutter or whatever yeah. so it's like a constant reminder but now i don't have to see it now we just have to Yay. keep it up yeah and that's the hard part of like okay we've cleaned it we can't let it go back to what it was right <laughs> that's why you guys have a basement <laughs> Yeah, we have the basement, and then basically Dave's been using our garage as, like, a random, like, outdoor tool area, so, yeah. Yeah, so we have space. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. All right. All right, everyone, thank you for joining us for another fun episode of Oi with the Terror already. You can find us on anywhere where podcasts are available, including Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple, and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we drop a new episode every Thursday, usually, unless it's around a holiday, and then the day might change. If you're looking for us on our social media, we have our Instagram account, which is at Oi with the Terror already. And we also have a Facebook group, which is at Oi with the Terror already podcast. If you have any spooky stories or anything you want us to look into or talk about, you can email us at Oi with the Terror already at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye.